Good morning, church. So very good to see you this morning, whether you're online or here with us in the auditorium. I want to say, as I do every week, that I love and appreciate you all so very much. I was, I was thinking about a, an analogy or a metaphor just this morning. So with warning, this metaphor that I'm going to share with you, I just came up with on the spot, and so it might not work. But imagine, imagine maybe this week going to work or to school, or maybe you're talking with a neighbor, and, and your friend pulls out what sort of looks like a cell phone, but it's different in, in almost every conceivable way. I mean, it, it, the screen is different, the size is different, the shape is different. It looks futuristic. It looks like something you've not seen before. The apps are all different. The functionality is amazing. It has a battery that lasts longer than a few hours. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, and you're, you're looking at this thing thinking, I've never seen anything like that. And you ask him, what, what is that? And he says, oh, this is, this is an iPhone. And you said, that's, that's not an iPhone. I've seen an iPhone. I've got an iPhone. I've got the latest iPhone. That's not an iPhone. And he says, no, no, no. This is an iPhone 37. An iPhone 37. He says, I, I have a friend at Apple, and he's let me have the iPhone 37 already. He's given it to me ahead of time. Or imagine this, imagine you're at a grocery store and you pull up into a parking spot and then there's an empty spot beside you and all of a sudden a, a car comes like hovering, you know, Jetson style and it, it comes flying in and it, and it floats down in the empty spot beside you and everything about the car is like nothing you've seen before, all of the buttons and gadgets and gauges and everything is just different and amazing and, and you say to the person that gets out of this vehicle, what is this thing? And he says, it's a Toyota Corolla. And you say, that's not a Toyota Corolla. I've seen a Toyota Corolla. I've had a Toyota Corolla. That's not a Toyota Corolla. And he says, it is. He says, I, I, I have a friend at Toyota and he's allowed me to have the 2052 version and I've, I've already got it ahead of time. Now, just think about how amazed you would be to be able to experience what will be now, to be able to experience what, what is coming in the present, to be able to experience the future right now in the present. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? That's what I want us to understand about Pentecost. See, I, I think that's exactly what's happening at Pentecost. Pentecost is God's future kingdom, what will be breaking into the what is. And isn't that amazing? What will be breaking into the what is. What is coming is now here and present so that the people of God can begin to experience and not just experience. That, that's that's a word that, that might be reserved for being a spectator, right? When you go to a, a game, a football game, baseball game, you, you go to a game, you can experience the game, but Pentecost is about participation, that the people of God can begin to participate in God's future kingdom right now in the present. In fact, here's how we might say it. We might say that Pentecost means that we are more, we are more than just future recipients. 
We are present participants. Try to say that five times fast, okay? We are more than future recipients. We are that, don't get me wrong. There's still this future that we're hoping for and anticipating and waiting for when the Messiah comes back and the dead are resurrected and all of the wonderful things that we will have and experience and participate in then. But Pentecost means we're more than that. Pentecost means that God's people are more than just future recipients. We are present participants. We get to participate right now in God's future kingdom. It's breaking into the present so that what will be is right now in the what is. That we are experiencing and participating in the what will be right now while all of the what is is still going on. See, the people of God, because of the prophets of God, the prophets that God sent to the Jewish people, to the Israelite people, they expected that there would be a time, probably at the end of time, where God would gather up all of his scattered people. Because that's what the people of God were, right? They were scattered. We call it the the Jewish diaspora. They were dispersed throughout the world, into all of the corners of the world. They were, they were dispersed all over the face of the earth because of the, the Assyrian captivity and exile and Babylonian captivity and exile and the Greek empire, the Persian empire, the Roman empire, everything that had happened to the Jewish people, they eventually were dispersed all over the world. But the prophets painted the picture that at some point, probably at the very end of time, God would gather up all of the scattered people of Israel. And not only would he gather up the scattered sheep of Israel, he would also gather up people from every nation. And, and, and here, let's read some of what the prophet said. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12. Here's how the, the prophets painted this picture of what the hope is, that at the end there's going to be a gathering, a gathering of all the people. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12, he will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Or here's how Jeremiah says it in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. Or the way Ezekiel puts it, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 and 25, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. So, so this, is, this is that future hope, right? The future hope that at some point God will gather up all of the lost sheep of Israel and, and along with that will gather people from every nation and tribe and language and will gather all of the people together, will forgive their sins, will put the law into their heart, change them and transform them. But there's going to be this, this great gathering day. And what we see at Pentecost, it's not just a a foretaste of the great gathering, it's that the gathering that God is doing, gathering all the lost people of Israel, it has begun. It started. 
the future kingdom of God is breaking into the present world. So look, if you have your Bible at Acts chapter 2, I'm going to reread what we talked about last week just in case you weren't here. But of course, Acts begins with the Messiah, Jesus, being enthroned, ascending to his father's throne, sitting at his father's right hand. And so Jesus, the Messiah, is reigning over heaven and earth with all authority over all things. He's better than the new emperor. He's the new better than Caesar. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus, the Messiah, God's anointed one, begins to reign. And then, and then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moves in, like we talked about last week, moves into God's new temple. But it's not a temple like we've ever seen before. It's not a temple of brick and mortar. It's not even a tabernacle like the tent that the Israelites had in the wilderness. It's a temple made of flesh and blood. It's people, and the people of God become the temple of God. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, that is, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so that's what was happening to the disciples. And then something happens where it it draws the attention of people that were gathered in Jerusalem. Of course, it's Pentecost. And so there were Jewish people from all over who had journeyed to pilgrims that had come to Jerusalem from all over the dispersed world. And they'd come back to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. And, And the the apostles and probably the 120 of them may have gone out from the the house they were in, but it says in verse 5, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at at this sound, the multitude came together. So maybe it's the sound of the wind rushing, the spirit of God filling the house, or maybe it's the people that are speaking in other languages, but a crowd gathers And Luke reminds us that there are people, not just who have pilgrimed to Jerusalem, but people dwelling in Jerusalem from every nation, devout men, Jewish people from every nation under heaven. And again, this is the Jewish diaspora that because of captivity and exile, the people of God, the Jewish people have been scattered all over the world. And and we've seen that. We see that in our modern world, don't we? People that have been scattered from where their ancestors originally came from. And when they are in a different place than their ancestors came from, they, they wear the clothes of the place where they live. They speak the language of the place where they live. And so gathered in Jerusalem on this day, there are Jewish people, so they, they're Jewish people, but they speak different languages and they wear different clothes and they have different customs. This really is a multi-ethnic crowd that's gathered there from every nation under heaven, different nationalities, different languages, different cultures, different customs. It says, continuing in verse 6, and they were, pay attention to these words that Luke uses, and they were bewildered. 
because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed, and they were astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? So pay attention, again, because Luke is is helping us to see what it would have felt like and been like to be there. It was amazing. It was bewildering. It was astonishing. And those who had eyes to see and ears to hear said, something extraordinary is happening here. This isn't normal. This isn't ordinary. This isn't something that happens every day. God is doing something special right now. Something extraordinary is happening. And the people who have eyes to see and ears to hear are bewildered and amazed and astonished. That's always the question, isn't it? As you go through the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as you read the book of Acts, it's possible It's possible for some people to see everything that's going on and just say, that's nothing. I don't know what's going on, but I I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, you know, a trick. It's just, you know, something that can be explained. And there are other people who say, no, no, no. This is the work of God. God is doing something here in these people at this time, in this place. This is bewildering and amazing and astonishing. Verse 8, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that's Gentiles who become Jewish, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Amen and amen. It's amazing, it's astonishing, it's bewildering what's happening here, that the Spirit of God is allowing these men to speak in languages they don't know, and they're speaking in other people's languages, and they're hearing in their own languages. Now, one thing that I think is pretty amazing is that the Spirit doesn't give them one common language, but the Spirit speaks each of their languages. The Spirit speaks each one of their languages and is gathering together. Just as God promised, God is gathering together His people, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, the dispersed people, gathering them together, bringing them together. And the Spirit of God is speaking each one of their languages. And notice what's being proclaimed. The mighty works of who? God. Now, now, some of us, we, we read this and we say, well, why, why isn't this happening today? Why, why don't I have the ability to speak in a language that, that I don't know? I, I, I want us to stop. You know, I, I understand that, yes, it doesn't happen in this way, but something even more amazing is happening right now. Do we realize that? It, if you kind of stop and just listen for a second, kind of just stop and with your imagination, see with your eyes and listen with your ears all around the world this morning, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed in every language, 
in every language across the world, in, in Mandarin and Hindi and Spanish and French and Arabic and Russian and every language imaginable, right now, all across the world, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed. And that is the Spirit's work, that this is the outgrowth of what happened at Pentecost. That beginning at Pentecost, God was gathering up the Jewish people that were dispersed all over the world. And the mighty works of God were being proclaimed in every language. And then from there, the gospel went out. And the Holy Spirit was given, not just to the Jewish people, but to all the nations, gathering them together so that we begin to experience and participate in God's future kingdom becoming a reality in the present. Do we realize that? That's what we're doing right now. Right now, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is king, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed in English. And, and I know for us that's not extraordinary, but it is extraordinary, isn't it? That 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed to you in English in a language that they hadn't even thought of yet. And right now, all across the world, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed in every language, to every nation, to every tribe, to every people group. And right now, this isn't just a, a foretaste of what will be. It is that, a foretaste of that day when God gathers up all of the people from every nation and tribe and language. It's not just what we will receive in the future. It's about what we're presently participating in. Right now. Right now, when you proclaim the mighty works of God, because you are saved by Jesus, and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, you are participating in the future kingdom of God that has become a present reality. We are the present reality of the future kingdom right now in the world, and we're a part of a global, multi-ethnic, multinational, multilingual gathering right now. It's not just what will be. It's about what is and what began on the day of Pentecost. God gathering up the lost sheep of Israel and then from there beginning to gather up all the people of the world. Look at verses 12 and 13, and I want us to think about this. And all were, again, Luke loves these words, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But, but others mocking said they are filled with new wine. This is, this is what we see every time God does something new. This is what we see every time Jesus does what Jesus does. This is what we see in the gospel accounts. This is what we see throughout the book of Acts. This is what we see today. Some marvel and some mock, right? 
some marvel, some marvel, and say, what does this mean? What does this mean? That people from every nation and tribe and language are being gathered together into this beautifully diverse unity where this one family, this one body is made up of people of every ethnicity and every nationality and every language. How could this be? Who's doing this? And even right now, presently, we should still marvel about this, shouldn't we? This is amazing what's happening across the globe and has been happening for 2,000 years for those who truly follow Jesus gathered together in this multinational, multi-ethnic, multilingual family loving each other and maybe not even able to speak each other's language but knowing that God speaks every one of our languages and that he's bringing us together. And every turn from the time Jesus began his ministry and then throughout the apostles' ministry in the book of Acts to today, some marvel and some say, this is amazing. This is only possible by the, the work of God. This, this is evidence that God is at work in the world. And others mock. And they come up with some explanation. Well, they're, they're probably drunk. You know, I, I don't know what's gotten into these people, but they probably had too much wine. And just like then, there are still those who are cynical. There are still those who are cynical. In fact, we may even be sitting here this morning and still be cynical and say, yeah, I mean, yeah, God did some amazing stuff in the Bible. You know, there were some amazing things that happened in the Bible, and maybe God will do some amazing stuff someday but I don't see God doing a lot of amazing stuff right now. You're not watching. You're not listening. Your eyes aren't open. Because right now, right now, all across the world, the Spirit of God is speaking everyone's language. And the mighty works of God are being proclaimed in Mandarin and in Hindi and in Russian, in English, in Spanish, in Portuguese, in every language under heaven, the mighty works of God are being proclaimed right now, and God's people are being gathered up, not just on Sunday mornings, but to go out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday in our workplaces and in our schools and in our neighborhoods and our communities and be the kingdom of God presently presently participating in God's future kingdom because we hope for and know what God will do. We're marveling and participating in what God is doing. So my only encouragement for us this morning is don't be a mocker. Don't be a mocker. Don't look and say, well, you know, maybe God will do some amazing things someday. And maybe God did some amazing things in the past. Don't close your eyes to what God is doing right now. Because it may, it may not look like tongues of fire over our heads. And it may not look like you speaking a language you've never heard. I'm convinced it won't be those things. 
But what he's doing now is no less amazing and perplexing and bewildering and astonishing. What he's doing now is amazing. It's global. It's international. It's multilingual. It's multi-ethnic. What he's doing now is amazing. And I want us to participate. I want us to marvel. Because the people on the day of Pentecost who marveled, they were the ones who responded. Salvation and participation belong to those who marvel. Salvation and participation are for those who marvel. Those who marveled at what was happening, listen to Peter's sermon. We'll get to that next week. Listen to Peter's sermon and they responded and their sins were forgiven and they too received the gift of the Holy Spirit and they began to participate in what God was doing. And then after Pentecost, in the days and weeks and months and years, and now centuries since Pentecost, people continue to be saved and participate in God's future kingdom right now in the present. Not just waiting around for what we will receive, but participating in what we have. Marveling at what God is doing, that God is bringing together into the same life, into the same kingdom, into the same family, into the same movement. God is bringing together people of every tribe and language and nation, bringing us together in family where not only we can be saved, but we can participate in proclaiming the mighty works of God in every single language to every single people. So the question is, will you marvel or will you mock? Because there are still too many of us who sit back and mock, who don't think that God is presently working in the world to gather his people. There are plenty who mock, who are cynical, who laugh. There are also plenty who marvel and who know that what God is doing, what God is doing for me is miraculous. God saved me. God saved me. He forgave me through Jesus. He allowed me to participate in his kingdom. And if you're in Christ Jesus, he's done that for you. And that's amazing. And that's something at which you should still continue to marvel. You let me? You let me be a part of what you're doing in the world? You, you let me be salt? You let me be light? You let me be part of the city on a hill? You let me proclaim your good works to the world? Yes. And that should make us marvel. Salvation and participation are for those of us who continue to marvel at the mighty works of God. We're going to put up a slide and we're going to sing a song offering an invitation. But as I tell you every week, the invitation isn't just for this moment right here, right now. It is that. And if we can help you or you're ready to become a Christian by being baptized, this is an opportunity. But every moment of every day, we have an opportunity to marvel at what Jesus has done, to marvel at what Jesus is doing, to marvel at what Jesus will do, and not just to sit back and marvel like a spectator, 
but to participate in what God is doing in the world. The invitation is ours to respond, whether we will mock or whether we will marvel and be saved and participate. So if we can help you to be a participant in what God is doing in the world, now is an opportunity to come forward as together we stand and sing this song.